All right, so I, my name is Ben Martin, and I'm one of the elders here. Um, so uh, before we go ahead and get started, I'll go ahead and pray for us. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for this time tonight that we can get in your word to continue to discuss First Thessalonians. God, pray that you just open our hearts and minds to you and to your word. We thank you for the guidance that your word gives us. Um, Lord, we just thank you for... Um, each new day you bless us with, help us to be bold witnesses through this coming week, and help us to rely on you. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> All right, so we're continuing on in First Thessalonians. We're in chapter 4, verses 9 through 12. Um, but before we get there, I'll give you guys something to think about. If I were to ask you guys to get out your phones and were to then pursue to, to tell you to delete all your social media accounts. So Facebook, Snapchat, Instagram, get rid of them. What would you guys, let me ask you guys, what would you guys miss by deleting the social media accounts? <laughs> okay. Okay, that'd be on the plus side. <clears throat> so just a thought of, not having any social media accounts, are you guys starting to hyperventilate at all? You guys look all pretty calm. You'd be fine. What would you guys miss about it? Or would, would you even miss it? I don't have I don't have any social media accounts. So I don't, my wife has Facebook. I might Facebook stalk once in a while, but other than that, I don't. <coughs> Thanks, Duke. Um... So how about this? Is the absence of God's word more important than the absence of social media? Which would you miss most, you think? Would you guys even be aware that your lack of enthusiasm or desire to get into God's word? Are you guys blinded? Sometimes we can be blinded of our absence of um, getting into his word. And we don't even know it. Um, so God's word versus social media, you know, it's kind of, where do you run to, you know, are you, when you're, um, feel like you need to, um, get advice on something or and get encouragement, are you going to God's word? Or are you going to social media? Um, so, I mean, those are kind of things we're going to talk about, but what that kind of leads, what I'm kind of leading into is, uh, spiritual apathy and we can all get into spiritual apathy. Apathy meaning the absence of emotion or enthusiasm. Um, are we, you know, going to have? Are we going to have times where we're not on fire for God? Yeah, we will. And you know, especially when you become new Christians and new believers, you're on fire for Christ, and you want to get plugged into, you know, different things. And um, sometimes, you know, through your walk, you just kind of, it just kind of phases, or you kind of. Um, just have a little lull. So we all have that. But Hebrews 10, 24, 25 says, And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some in the habit are doing, but encouraging one another. <clears throat> so encouraging one another is kind of what we're going to get into with verses 9 through 12 and what Paul's been doing kind of through the, the buildup of these verses too. Um, you know, encouraging one another is there there may be a sin that's a roadblock from breaking out of our apathy. And that's what's nice when 
you have others that can encourage you in that, you know, through accountability partners or being plugged into, um, you know, a good group of Christian friends, family, church um, can help you. But if we're in that spiritual apathy, there may be something that we need to repent of that's, that's kind of hindering us to break out of that. <clears throat> so we can live a life pleasing to God and ourselves through continual obedience to his word and a disciplined living. So because God created us, he knows what's best for us, right? And he gave us his word as, a, as an instruction manual to kind of go off of and um, know what what we what's best for us and how to live so <clears throat> so kind of just a quick recap paul's telling them uh, that they have received instruction on how to walk and how to please god he's praising them on how they have turned from their turned from god i'm sorry how they have turned to god from idols to serve the living and true god he devises them in their speech we are to speak not to please man but to please god who tests our hearts we should seek God's glory and approval, not man's. Colossians 3.17 says, Whatever we do, we should, whether in word or deed, we shouldn't do it in the name of the Lord Jesus. Colossians 3.23 says, Whatever um, whatever we do, work heartily for the Lord and not for man. So to walk in holiness, blameless in our conduct, encouraging one another. So these are things Paul was telling the Thessalonians when he was there. And Paul had to leave, right? because he was kind of pushed out. Um, so he had to flee, although his heart was longing to, for his church that he had built up. So he, had, he sent Timothy to, for a report to see how they were doing, to see if the things that he would um, kind of instituted and instructed them to see if they were still doing that. <clears throat> so uh, Timothy returns, and um, Paul was, you know, he was, very happy that they had to see that they had for not they had not forsaken the teaching and are in fact practicing what Paul had taught them. They were exercising the spiritual discipline and discernment that he was talking about. Paul affirms what they were doing is good and it was encouraging them to press on, to do it more and more. Talked about that a couple times in chapter four verse one and chapter four verse ten. Um so is there let me ask you guys, is it good to get think of a time when you guys got affirmation or confirmation that you were doing something right um, when you were kind of hesitant, whether if it was even the right thing, you were questioning yourself, <clears throat> let alone it, you know, challenge you to do it more and more when you did get encouraged. Is there something that sticks out? <clears throat> How many guys are driving or got your permit? Okay. Is it good to get that affirmation and confirmation from the driver's ed instructor when you are doing good? When you're merging onto an interstate with cars that are going 75, 80 miles an hour <laughs> and you do a good job? Yeah, that's huge. Um, how many of you are in sports? Okay. Um, I just use that because I played sports all through my junior high and high school years. Um, and I just remember those times getting aff affirmation, confirmation, you know, that I was doing something right, um, you know, running a play right or doing something that the coach was, was um, teaching. And when you do something right and he encourages you, that makes you feel good. It makes you feel like you're doing something right, obviously. Um, so 
there's all kinds of things, you know, studying for a test and you get that affirmation that you, you know, you know, did good by getting an A. Um, as a new believer, um, being able to, you know, walk with the Lord and um, that get that affirmation from a from a, uh, a seasoned Christian, I say, um, somebody whose walk is stronger than yours, and seeing that growth in you and how you've come, that can be uh, very much a good um, affirmation in your walk. So. You know, think of people in your life that you can encourage and build up and how you can do that because um, we should be in encouragers and, and people that build up and not tear down, you know, just like Paul. So let's get to our verses, First um, Thessalonians 4, 9 through 12. It says, Now concerning brotherly love, you have no need to, you have no need for anyone to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another, for that indeed is what you are doing to all the brothers throughout Macedonia. But we urge you, brothers, to do this more and more and to aspire to live quietly and to mind your own affairs and to work with your hands as we instructed you so that you may walk properly before outsiders and depend on no one. So verse 9 <clears throat> says, For you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. So let me ask you guys, how does the world say we ought to, to love, how we're taught to love? Throw something out. What's the world say today how we should love or what love is? Joel kind of touched on a little bit a couple weeks ago. Does the world say love is a feeling? You guys hear that? Love is an, an emotion. Um, how you feel. Um, follow your heart. That's big. So, we're going to kind of look at what Scripture says. So, the world does say, you know, that we should, you know, it's based on our emotions um, and how we feel in the moment, what we, how we feel towards one another. And when you think of it that way, that seems like it would, how often does your, do you guys' emotions change? A lot? Yeah. A lot. <laughs> a lot. So, that would be a, a roller coaster ride, wouldn't it? If love is a feeling and it's based on your in your on your constant day to day, so there's no lack of there's there's a lack of commitment, right? Big time, and that's what Joel was talking about a couple couple weeks ago. So there's a lack of commitment. It's just a feeling, you know. Love is sacrificial, um, and we see that through you know Christ's um, life, you know, laying down his life for us, and that is exemplified in the cross. Um, Pastor John had a <clears throat> um, good example a couple of weeks ago where he was saying um, uh, he was getting to about the feeling of love and so I'm I'll be going on 14 years of marriage um, so getting close to the 15th year I've got to start thinking here so I got about a year and a half to prepare um, so four, almost 14 years I got three kids uh, Landon he's in 6th grade he's in the back uh, Grayson he's 9 and then a little girl, Alana, she's in kindergarten. And so if I, one day, um, my wife was, um, you know, doing something that I didn't agree with, kind of made me mad, she said something, um, just really torqued me off, and my kids were being annoying, and I just said, you know what, that's it, I'm, I'm done. 
you know, I'm not feeling love. I I'm out of here and I leave. What would that what would that appear like to you then? It'd be pretty jerky, wouldn't it? And rightfully so. And it's funny because um before we came tonight, um we're we're in the midst of painting our living room, dining room and in our kitchen. And throughout the afternoon we're we're telling the kids, Hey, walls are wet, don't touch anything. <clears throat> Van's laughing. He's no. He knows where I'm going with this. So, our one of our kids. I'll just say this. One of our kids had their nice jeans on still. <clears throat> gets into the paint, rubs against the wall, and so the jeans are torched. Um, didn't take them off, and then he sat down on the couch, and he didn't. Uh, nobody, <laughs> nobody knew it, and he got up, and one of my other kids was like, "What is that? Like it looks like paint." And I could see my wife's face as she was, yeah. She goes over and she's like, yep, sure enough, paint. So we're scrubbing. And luckily after scrubbing for a while, we got we got it off. We got it off. And the couch is not leather, so it doesn't wipe off. So that, needless to say, that was a moment that I did, was not uh, showing love um, towards my kids. So again, that emotional roller coaster, um, how ridiculous does that sound? You know, when you when you think of it that, that way. So, um, Scripture says in Jeremiah uh, seventeen nine, uh, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. So why would we want to follow our heart, right? Martin Luther, who was the great church reformer, started the Protestant Reformation in fifteen seventeen, said, "Our heart is an idle factory." So you think of a factory like an assembly line that keeps cranking off things, right? Well, think of our heart in that way as far as um, constantly, you know, there's idols just being manufactured. Um, <clears throat> talked last week about sex, uh, drugs, alcohol, um, material things, um, you know, clothes. It can be anything can be an idol. Anything that you're putting more into is consuming your thoughts than what than, than God. It's becoming an idol, you know, yourself, your popularity. You know, all those things. It's just one after another. Um, <clears throat> so as a believer, you know, we we are in, those that are in Christ are given the gift of the Holy Spirit. You know, the Bible talks about giving the Holy Spirit as a helper, and that's only to the believer. Um, the Holy Spirit teaches us how to love. The Spirit grows in us a desire how to love, a desire that was not previously there. You know, prior to being a believer, we're at enmity with God, and we can only we only have the ability to love um, once our heart is regenerating, once we have a new heart, and that's only done through God's grace, right? Saved by grace alone, through faith alone, because of Christ alone. Other than that, we're only interested in ourselves, and we're, we just want to we want to feed that desire of our heart, and we're going to search it out in any way we want to. And we don't care about God's laws and all that. But when God's grace opens our heart to be able to receive that faith, you know, um, I tell our kids that, you know, the great switcheroo happens. You know, God changes our desires and continues to grow in us through his Holy Spirit. Um, you know, one that can only be supernaturally fulfilled. 
So Romans 5, 5 says, Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us, um, this verse comes uh, in Romans comes right after Paul talks about rejoicing in our sufferings, you know, which our sufferings produces endurance, and our endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame. So sometimes our lack of love can lead to a lack of hope. That's why people kind of slip into depression. Um, because they have no hope. But it shouldn't because the Holy Spirit's working in and through us, okay, helping us to love. So the Holy Spirit's the catalyst of all this, right? Being able to love rightly. The Holy Spirit um, is is working. Um, we call it... Um, uh, <clears throat> mine just went blank. Um, progressive sanctification. So you keep progressing in your walk, and you know it's, it's whether it's love or you know uh, kindness, um, anything that the Spirit keeps uh, working in us. Uh, a couple of verses in John, First John, will give us a biblical description of love too. Uh, John, First John four fifteen through sixteen, whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him, and he in God. So we have come to know and believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. First John 2.10 Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. So it's built into the, the nature of a genuine believer because of the Holy Spirit that's given, that's working in and through us. First John four seven through eight says, Beloved, let us want let let us one another for love let us love one another, sorry, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love <clears throat> does not know God, because God is love. The love of God is reflected through the believer, projecting his light. And then lastly, first John four, twelve through thirteen says, No one has seen, ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us his Holy Spirit. So that first section of verses, or that, that first section in verse 9, we're taught how to love, and we're taught through Scripture how to love, and we're taught through the gift of the Holy Spirit who's changing our heart. So we don't need to go to, Barnes and Noble and, and run out and get any help self help books, okay? Because it's not gonna it's not gonna work. It, it's all heart directed, okay? Until you know Christ as your believer, those desires are just gonna stay there. So is it that hard? Yeah, it's very hard. But you pray and uh, God is faithful and He can He can guide us in that. Um, verse eleven. Verse 11 says, and to aspire to live quietly and to mind your own affairs. <clears throat> the Greek word for aspire often meant at that time to attempt to get recognition through outward displays of generosity by the wealthy. So Paul kind of flips this concept on his head and he tells the Thessalonians that they should be uh, zealous or have enthusiasm for the honor, for honor not to come through self-assertion or a show of personal greatness, uh, praise of others, but through humbleness and kindness and self-control. Um, 
godliness is seen in servanthood. And again, point to Jesus. Look at the, you know, Jesus came to serve, not to be served. Um, our identity as a believer is in Jesus and not in our works or effort, not in how much, you know, we can put towards something or, you know, how much self-assertion we can give. <clears throat> so test ourselves. What's our motive for doing things? Is it for prideful gain? Are we doing, you know, to aspire to live quietly? Are we more concerned about getting our name out? Are we more concerned about being uh, seen and not unseen? So just by a show of hands, how many of you guys have Facebook, or what does it say, Instagram and Snapchat? Luca, you and me are right. We don't have it yet. Um, okay, how often do you guys post stuff? Daily? Never? Not even daily? Oh man, I thought you. I thought you guys were like multiple times. No. <clears throat> depends on the. It depends on your emotion, right? <laughs> okay. 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 So when you think of something you've snapped, whether it's last month or if it's on a daily basis, you know, what, as you guys look back, what was your motive for doing that? You know, was it, was your motive to exalt yourself? Was your motive to exalt um, what you're doing? Look at me, look at that. Um, or is it exalting God? More than likely, it would probably be, if we had to be honest, it's probably something that we we did and we were, we're kind of posting it and getting it out there. Hey, look at me. Look, you know, I'm just amazed at some of the stuff that people post on Facebook. You know, they kind of call it the humble brag um, and they kind of put it out there uh, for it to be seen. Um, so are we, yeah, are we seeking to be seen or unseen? You know, humbleness is such a godly attribute and one that we should strive for every day and it's it's an attribute that unfortunately um in this world um people look at it as a weakness you know and it shouldn't be because it's, it's a it's a godly attribute it's a good thing so paul's encouraging them here not to be idlers uh those who are refusing to work thessalonians second thessalonians 3 6 through 8 says now we command you, brothers, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you keep away from any brother who is walking in idleness and not in accord with the tradition that you received from us. For you yourselves know how you ought to imitate us, because we were not idle when we were with you, nor did we eat anyone's bread without paying for it. But with toil and labor we worked night and day that we might not be a burden to any one of you. So why is Paul... <clears throat> telling them not to be idlers and to basically stop going around um, with really no purpose and kind of nose around in people's businesses. They're not sticking to their own affairs. They're, they're seeking out, um, kind of wanting to nose around. Well, there's a couple of viewpoints. One, um, that the Thessalonians, uh, they stopped uh, working to await and proclaim the Lord's second coming because they didn't want to miss it. They were so concerned when it would happen that they kind of stopped what they were doing and they wanted to, you know, see when, the, when, when that time was going to come. That's why there's such confusion among the Thessalonians about the second coming of Jesus, which Paul addresses in chapter 5 and then later in 2 Thessalonians. 
so Paul basically says, you know, stop, stop uh, trying to figure out when Christ is going to come back. Because he's going to, he talks about in earlier in First Thessalonians that Jesus is going to come like a thief in the night. You know, um, not even Jesus knows. Only God the Father knows when this time is. So, when he does return, be working, living godly, living godly lives, authentic lives for him. You know, not taking advantage of something, which kind of leads into the second viewpoint at that time that there were lazy Christians at that time, exploiting and manipulating uh, the, the charity of the wealthier Christians that were helping them and using their free time to nose around or intrude into other people's business. So the wealthy are kind of helping them and they're, um, you know, they know they're being taken care of, so they're being lazy and they're going around kind of <clears throat> getting in other people's business and stirring up things. So in either case, Paul is saying to them, get back to work. Don't be a busybody, um, which is someone who is undisciplined and doesn't work, who is all over the place uh, all the time with not really a purpose, but to just get in other people's business, um, to kind of stick their nose in where it shouldn't belong, um, rather than kind of worry about themselves and their walk with Christ. Um, so are we aspiring to live quietly and to mind our own affairs? Um, you know, in doing this, when, when we are not doing that, I should say, um, that can stir up, you know, sin. That can stir up gossip. Gossip, gossip is rampant, right? You guys find that at school a lot? Yeah, big time. Um, I find it at work, where I work. Uh, gossip is, you really have to be to train your mind to tune it out and not be a part of it and make a, a conscious decision. I'm not going to be a part of it. And even when somebody comes up and, and asks you, hey, I got something to tell you, <clears throat> you know what, I don't want to hear it if it's going to involve, you know, X, Y, Z. So you really got to be on guard. Second Thessalonians 3, 10 through 12 says, uh, for even when we were with you, we would give you this command. If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. For we hear that some among you walk in idleness, not busy at work, but busy bodies. Now, now such persons we command and encourage in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly and to earn their own living. Have you guys ever heard of the phrase, idle hands are the devil's workshop? Okay. Well, there's, there's a good reason for that. Um, when you're living um, an undisciplined and unmotivated life, um, we can tend to kind of steer off into the sinful behavior, right? If we're, um, you know, not keeping busy with our hands, not keeping busy uh, with our minds as far as, um, as believers, what God wants us to do, and we're strained from that, you know, kind of falling off, it's going to be a lot easier to, to get into, um, you know, things that are desiring um, things of self rather than things of God. So we need to be disciplined and intentional with our time and, and honor God in that way. Now, this doesn't mean that you can't or shouldn't rest or relax, uh, but be on guard when you're doing that. Okay? <clears throat> you know, rest is a good thing, um, but what are we doing with our time? Um, sometimes I've caught myself um, doing things and you know a half hour goes by and it's like why did I even 
you know, why did I start looking on my phone at something? And I just blew a half hour of doing nonsense stuff, you know. And it's, you think, oh, that's a half hour I won't get back. Or not the half hour I, sh- I could have spent praying with, you know, my wife or my kids or getting into God's word. Okay, and you'll have different seasons when, like we talked earlier, when you're, you know, on fire and that. But, um, but to stay intentional with your time. So <clears throat> when we feel those in, the, in those moments as a believer, we feel conviction, right? Have you guys ever felt that when you're doing something you're like, I know I shouldn't be doing that or I should, shouldn't be looking at something or I shouldn't be saying this or that? Okay. Well, as a believer, if you're feeling kind of that, that pressing or that pressure, you know, that's the Holy Spirit working in you. And we should stop. We should, we should adhere and be obedient and stop because God knows what's best for us, right? He knows, hey, don't go down that path. Don't go down that road. You know, let's, let's bring you back in here. Okay, that's when you need to walk away and stop. So that's why it's important um, to surround yourself with godly friends. Okay, uh, here on Sunday nights is great. You know, a youth group, you know, a, a um, church family, your own family, you know, solid Christians, accountability partners, you know, people that you can pray with and, and hold each other, put their feet to the fire and, and say, hey, I saw that you uh, posted something the other night. Why'd you do that? You know, call them out in a godly, in a loving way. You know, if somebody you know real well, okay? Because we need that as believers. <clears throat> Verse 11, it goes on to say, and work with your hands as we instructed you. How many of you guys like to work? <laughs> Got some. Eh. Okay, Duke. Doing whole okay. See, you what? Make food. Oh, you do. Oh, cool. Depends on what it is. Yes. So work work can be a good thing, right? And the Christian community in those days thought work to be honorable. You know, so Paul wanted people to work and to earn their own living rather than rather than depend on the wealthier Christians. So as Paul instructed them, he was um, he was in Thessalonica. Paul uh, was a good example of being a hard worker. Uh, he says in Second Thessalonians three seven through nine, for you yourselves know how you ought to imitate us, because we were not idle. When we were with you, nor did we eat anyone's bread without paying for it, but with toil and labor we worked day and night, that we might not be a burden to any of you. It was not because we do not have that right, but he says, but to give you, but to give you in ourselves an example to imitate. So Paul was giving him, giving them an example to imitate. He's discipling them on how to. Um, do all you know instructing them in many things but discipling them and what it looks like to work and to you know give an honest day's work at, at school and at your job um, in a way that exalts and lifts up God rather than ourselves so working and establishing a strong work ethic can establish biblical traits that can stay with you you know and, and can be an example to others it leads to being obedient and living a, and being a godly witness. 
So all these verses are kind of hinged on uh, the beginning of verse 12 when it says, so that. <clears throat> so leading up in uh, 9, 9 to 12, it says we've uh, been taught how to love, how to live quietly, mind your own affairs, and how to work with your hands. And then verse 12, it says, so that we may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one. So throughout the book of 1 Thessalonians, Paul is, is talking and living different than society. And we're called to live different than society as, as Christians, right? Or Pastor Dave says um, to be salmon and swim upstream, right? Live in a way that's different than, the, than society. And Paul talks about that. Chapter 1 and verse 6, he says, Being imitators of us, Paul, Silas, and Timothy, and the Lord. Um, in affliction, Paul had boldness to declare the gospel. That's in chapter 2, verse 2. In chapter 2, he also says, Paul talked about walking in a manner to please God, as God as his witness, to seek God, to seek glory from God rather than man. Uh, chapter 2, verse 8, Paul wanted to live and do, do life together. He was dedicated to discipling his people. You know, that's what we talk about here at Crosspoint. You know, devoted to one another, um, devoted to Jesus, driven to reach others and dedicated to one another. Paul also encourages them and, and spurs each other on to walk in a manner that glorifies God. And he encourages them to have self-control with one's own body in holiness and honor. We talked about that last week. So throughout the book, Paul's encouraging them to uh, be witnesses and to, to the outside world. So as believers, we need to see how our walk is in lining up with Scripture. Is um, Because the Scripture is our standard of living. You know, that's the standard by which all things are measured. So as you think, um, in what areas of your life do you need to grow in your witnessing? You know, at school, in sports, um, you know, when you're eating with your friends at lunch, um, when you're hanging out with each other on the weekends, you know, we need to be uh, strong witnesses for Christ because he's called us to be imitators of Jesus, right? So lastly, just wanted to leave you guys with um, a thought <clears throat> as a pastor um, that I've I've over the years have listened to quite a few uh, sermons from. I've really um, uh, grown through his teaching. Um, his name is Pastor John Piper. And he has a, uh, he has a website, DesiringGod.org. And one of his, his coined phrases is, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. So if you think about it, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. So when we are satisfied in God, whether it's by seeking Him in prayer, um, asking, you know, reading His Word, uh, trusting in Him, God is most glorified through us by the light we are projecting to others. Okay, which all of that kind of comes around and leads us to a life pleasing to God in ourselves through continual obedience and to His Word and disciplined living. So. As we close, you know, let's just be mindful of the of the light that we're projecting um, to our, to others throughout the week, um, to uh, love, to not not go out for personal gain, but to lift up 
God in all we do. So I'll go ahead and close us here. We're about 10 minutes left, so I'll go ahead and close us in prayer. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for the time this evening that we could uh, discuss your word. We thank you for the instruction that your word gives us, Lord. God, help us to love rightly, Lord. Uh, your scripture talks about how we can how we are able to love and how we can love, Lord, through the Holy Spirit. And we thank you for, for that helper that you give us. God, help us to um, be an example to others, to aspire to live um, a quiet life, not um, a life that goes around lifting up ourselves and, and boasting in things that we're doing, but to live a humble life, God. We pray for that. And just uh, help us, Lord, to, in all we do, do it for your glory, Lord, to work for your glory, whether it's going to school, working at a job, um, on the court, playing sports, whether it's uh, playing music. God, in all we do, we want to do it for your glory and honor. Lord, we want to give you uh, thanks, and we just uh, pray for all these kids tonight as they go about their week tomorrow, uh, helping to be bold witnesses for you. In Jesus' name, amen.